there, and thanks for listening to the Adulting is Easy podcast. This is Lauren, and I manage the Adulting is Easy blog and podcast, which can be found at realadultingiseasy.com. And the podcast can be found almost anywhere you'd ever want to listen to them. I'm joined today by Tracy Bissett, Chief Financial Fitness Trainer of Bissett Financial Fitness, Inc. Tracy educates and empowers individuals, notably young adults and entrepreneurs, to take control of and live their lives with confidence. As a former executive at TD Bank, one of Canada's big five banks, Tracy has worked with and in support of thousands of individuals and entrepreneurs to secure the financing they needed. This hands-on experience, coupled with her formal, formal financial education, master's of business administration, and chartered financial analyst designation, positioned Tracy uniquely to coach about all things money. She's a full-time professor in the financial services faculty within the business school at Centennial College. She leads speaking engagements and is the executive producer and host of the Young Money Podcast, all focused on increasing financial fitness. Recently named a Silver Award winner for the IFSI Institute Award for Financial Literacy Champion through the Wealth Professional Awards of 2020. Thank you so much for being here, Tracy. Thanks so much, Lauren. I'm really excited to be here with you today. Yeah, me too. Um, So our goal for today is to make adulting a bit easier for our listeners by discussing a personal finance topic, since managing money is a big part of adulting. Today, Tracy and I are going to discuss money mindsets and decision making. Before we get into that, Tracy, why don't you tell us why you call it financial fitness? Absolutely. I'd love to. Um, When people talk about financial matters, they usually talk about financial literacy. And really what they're saying is that people are financially illiterate if they're not literate. And I find that to be highly negative. I find that people kind of recoil from that and they feel uncomfortable. And so I've started calling it and for the last few years, financial fitness, because for me, it's all about the positive. Where are we today and what can we build on? Um, So if we think about it almost from a physical fitness and analogy perspective. We could be on the couch. We're going to take our first steps around the block. So that's kind of our first thing of physical fitness. If we're moving on a spectrum from kind of left to right, if you can visualize it, um, somebody more uh, further along on that path might be training to run a marathon. On the financial fitness side, we could be starting to learn on the far left side, what what are different bank accounts, what's budgeting, kind of what are the basics. But yet on the far right hand side, we can have people training to become more sophisticated investors. So we can be anywhere in between and we're all moving on this personal financial fitness journey. And so I think wherever you are today is a great place to start. And we want to keep taking small imperfect actions to move along uh, that spectrum. But it, it doesn't start with the negative. It just builds on whatever you've got going on that's positive. You are so right about that. Financial literacy, now that I'm thinking about it, does indicate it's almost a binary thing. Either you're literate or you're not, Mm -hmm. which is not really what financial fitness should be about. Absolutely not. And usually when money comes into play or numbers come into play, anything related to math, people kind of say, yeah, I'm good at it or I'm not good at it. And it kind of shuts down the conversation very quickly. Yeah, definitely. I used to sell um, financial training in my last job. And we would think that maybe people had this block around financial statements. Um, But really, I think it did go back farther than that. It went back to like seventh, eighth grade math when they really didn't like math or found (laughs) that they weren't good at it. (laughs) So I'm glad to hear you say that. Mm -hmm. Um, So we do... Speaking of financial fitness as this um, this spectrum, right, where we can kind of start from one end and, and move move ourselves up and move along it, we do start from somewhere though, and that does seem to me at least to come from 
how you were raised. Is that what you would you would say too? Absolutely. Uh, we form our views around money when we're probably between um, five to seven years of age. Um, so the way things are happening in our household, the things we're learning, the things we're picking up, whether or not we even really know what money is at that time. Uh, I do a lot of volunteering and I had worked with a group of girl guides, the little ones, um, and a five-year-old told me that money is evil. So imagine what's going on in her house that she's correlated that money is evil, such a bad thing. There's probably yelling. There could be crying, screaming, Mm. could be collection calls. There could be all these things coming in the mail. And so that whatever is happening in your household at that time, that sticks with you. And it's really ingrained. It's your gut reaction for how you're going to deal with things. If every time um, your family used their credit card, there was tears, you're going to associate debt and credit cards with this really negative experience. And that stays with us into our adulthood. Um, most of us are in this kind of mindset of scarcity that there's never enough. And so we're always kind of jealous of other people when they have things. We're worried about not having enough for ourselves. If, if, if you have more of something that means I must have less, even though maybe it just means the pie is actually bigger. And, um, majority of the population in the world has this scarcity mindset. So kind of putting all those pieces together. And when you can think about it logically and rationally, and when you're not kind of in a triggered moment around money, you can start thinking about, okay, how do I want to think about money? Do I want to have this gut reaction when bills come, even though I know I have money in the bank account that I feel kind of sick to my stomach, or do I want to kind of observe that? And do I want to take actions to maybe make some changes to move from whatever my past is that I had no control over to a future where I want to have control over how I feel and how I act? Um, so it is in people's controls if they they choose to view it that way. Yeah, five to seven, that is just so young. Mm-hmm. So and you, do, you think, do you think that people are aware that they have a money mindset? Uh, I don't think on the surface people think about it very often, but if you actually asked a few questions, people would start putting the pieces together. So if um, every time something happens maybe to their sibling, that's great. Maybe they're not feeling as good. Um, Maybe they have a reaction that they're going to go out and buy themselves something to feel better. Um, Things like that, those kind of behaviors that you can kind of notice when you start observing your own behavior. And you've got to be in a place that's actually open to start looking at it. If you're really defensive and and you're not open to that, you're never going to take the moments to observe it. And so I encourage people always the first step, if you do want to make a change in the way you think about things, is just see what's going on. Wow, that's interesting. Hmm. I guess I do that every time that this happens. And everybody's going to have different things that kind of trigger them, different reactions that they have, the way it um, manifests for them. Um, But if you notice your patterns, then you can start saying, okay, that's that pattern. I usually react this way, but I'm not going to do that today. And um, through a couple of actions, you can actually then change your responses. Um, So one of the the ways that you can do that is by practicing gratitude. Um, And it sounds maybe a little bit um, fluffy, maybe not very... um, practical around money. But when you start focusing on things that you have and that you're grateful for, there's not really a lot of space in your brain to think about what you don't have and what you're unhappy about. So I woke up today, 
I, I had a nice bed to sleep in. I can have a shower. I can put clean clothes. I've got food to eat. Wow. I can, I'm healthy. I can go outside and enjoy the day. I can get going to my work because I have a job. When you start thinking about things all in that manner, all of a sudden you realize all of the good stuff that you've got. So that increases your feelings of positivity and um, moves you from that scarcity to a, a place of abundance. It's also, um, you've probably heard the phrase um, or the expression, you're the product of the five people you spend the most amount of time with. And I can't remember um, where the, who that comes from. Um, but if you spend your time with people who are really negative, who've got some toxic kind of reactions, maybe some drama around money, you're going to pick up on that and just be in that kind of club. But if you're spending time with people who are working on positive activities, um, working towards their goals, you see that maybe they have a short-term sacrifice to get to something they want really in the long term, all of that is going to be positive for you. And, and so both of those factors can contribute to you moving from a, a place of scarcity to one of abundance. And it's not going to happen overnight. And it doesn't negate all of the, the practical things we need to do with our money, but the money mindset needs to shift in a different way than just creating a budget can do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think to a different extent, you can use gratitude to not feel shame about how you used to feel about money mm -hmm. in the sense that you can say, thank you. When you recognize this pattern, even if it's a negative pattern, hey, thank you, mind. You know, Thinking this way has served me, has gotten me to this point, but it no longer serves me anymore. And we're, I'm not going to think like that anymore. And, you know, I think I, I think I heard that on a podcast somewhere. Yeah, I, I, that totally makes sense. And I think that it's really important and you're, you're doing that with your show is that we need to open up more money conversations. It needs to become commonplace stuff that we talk about and that we're not embarrassed to talk about with family and friends. Um, so there's no mystery around it. And the truth is most people find it hard to make ends meet. And that's normal. Um, but when we look on social media and we see everyone's got this perfect life and how are they doing it, they're probably doing it with debt. So if we can have conversations about how do I want to feel when I think about money, what are the goals in my life, how can I get there, how can we support each other, it, it goes from this thing that you might have been embarrassed or ashamed of to we're now working together and having honest conversations about moving to the positive. And so um, I, I think that's important that we can have those conversations. Yeah, absolutely. So um, in order to make changes to your money mindset, the first thing you have to do is obviously observe them and know what your money mindset is. Um, is there is there a chance your money mindset is great? <laughs> that it's abundant? Um, yeah, you just, yeah, yeah you're just, there you're are people go. out there who's, who are, who have that. It's a small population. Uh, I would say probably 5%, um, based on the research that I've seen is the population. So it could be, um, but I, the reason I share the, those numbers and kind of where people are coming from, cause they're obviously going to be different levels of scarcity. There's going to be like, Oh my gosh, my life is over to, Oh yeah, maybe I'll have a little bit less. There's going to be even a range within the scarcity mindset. Um, but the bulk of the population feels that way. And so that can show up of, uh, with feelings of, or you have thoughts of jealousy of someone else. When you see their feed on social media, you see the vacation they're on or the clothes they're wearing. Um, maybe if someone else has success, you feel like somehow you're going to be diminished in some way. Um, maybe you're not going to be successful and just feeling like there's a finite amount of wealth out there. And so if somebody has more, you're going to have less when really we can create more. That's the beauty of the world. Yeah, exactly. Rising tide floats all boats or however exactly. that goes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that's definitely a huge mindset shift for me. I think occurred 
where I would see a big, beautiful house. And I used to think, man, I'll never have that, you know? And now that I'm more of an adult and getting responsible with money and educating myself about money, it's more like I could have that, but I don't know that I want to put in the work and effort that it would take for me to get from here to there. And that's actually a lot more empowering of a mindset than, oh man, I'll never have that. Exactly. And it's about setting your own goals. And I talk to people about this all of the time, entrepreneurs, as well as individuals alike, everybody's goals are different and that's great. They should be. Um, if you want to have a big house and that's what you're going to put your money towards, wonderful. If you would rather travel and live in a more modest place because it gives you joy to be able to go and do other things outside of your home, great. So whatever you're working towards and whatever the things are that are important to you is that is what you should be working towards. And you shouldn't feel pressured to come up with some goals because they're going to be a little bit more socially acceptable or you're going to fit in with people a little bit better. Um, during non-COVID times, I tend to go to a lot of live concerts. I love that. So I spend a lot of money on music and shows and most people would think that's kind of crazy. Um, but I'm living within my means. That's important to me. That's one of my most fun hobbies. So that's okay for me and doesn't need to be something you're going to do. And we need to be okay with, these are my priorities, my goals, you have yours and everybody can have different ones. Yeah. So when we're talking about money mindsets, there's how we feel about money ourselves and our own money, but there's also then you're making me think about how we think about other people's money and their choices. Absolutely. And um, on my podcast, I've done a show about this. And frankly, um, what you think about other people's money is none of your business is as far as I'm concerned. Um, a lot of times people fall into the trap of how are they doing it? They must make so much money. When, <laughs> when you're in a position like I am, you see behind the curtain very regularly. And sometimes people are doing as well as they appear to be. And I would say that that's sometimes, but the majority of the time, it's all funded by debt. There are a couple missed um, payments away from losing a lot of the things in their lives. They're highly indebted. Um, and there's a new kind of theme I've been seeing in some pockets of um, the city where I live, where people are actually uh, pre-spending inheritances, counting what? on what maybe what their family is going to pass on to them. So they're taking that trip early. They're renovating that house. And that's not how you should live because that's not living within your means. So um, I don't think you need to get involved in anybody else's money story, anybody else's money um, situation. Um, if somebody asks you for money, that's a little bit different than you do need to um, weigh in. And I, I don't normally think friends, family and money mix. Um, so I think unless you're prepared to give it as a gift, you probably shy away from right. that um, because there's probably a reason that they need it and they may not be able to pay it back when you need it. So unless you can freely give it and it's okay if it doesn't come back to you, you probably stay away from that situation. Well, and you and I are in a little bit different position than probably some of the listeners are in that people know that we, you certainly have a lot of expertise in this area. I am slowly heading in that direction, right? I don't know. It depends how you define an expert. Do I know more than 60, 70% of the population about personal finance? Probably, right? So and I've put myself out there in such a way that people do actually approach me and want mm -hmm. to talk about their money. And in that case, I will. I'll tell them, you know, if they say, hey, what stock should I pick? And I say, hey, maybe just buy an index fund, you know. Um, but yeah, there's definitely, you never know. My dad did teach me that from a very young age. 
you know, hey, look down the street. Wow, why do those kids? Oh, God, everybody had gopeds in my neighborhood. It was like, <laughs> and we weren't allowed to have them, right? And I was like, how come they have that? And he's like, I was like, they must have a lot of money. He's like, you never know. You don't, you truly don't know. He's like, we could afford more of a house, right? We could have payments on our cars. You don't know. You don't know what they have. So they did teach me that. But, you know, so you don't, don't judge, but also don't judge in a way that, you know. Don't be judgy either. (laughs) Yeah. Just because they haven't recognized their money mindset and made shifts and changes, or they don't know as much about money as you do. Um, You might've been in that boat, in that boat very recently, or you might, have been in that boat had you had the same upbringing as them. So there's really no need to to feel that way or think that way. Absolutely. And so we're all on their own financial fitness journeys. We don't, we can't be in a position of judging other people. We don't know everybody's life. We don't know what's been going on. Um, my upbringing was very similar to yours in that we had what we needed. Um, my parents made conscious decisions to save for my brother and I schooling later in life. And so maybe we had less things when we were little, but we had everything that we need. Um, the other thing I would say too, on the point of not being judgy is that certainly here in Canada, our school system does a really poor job of educating um, people all through elementary, junior and high school, which I think is very similar in the US. And um, a lot of times people will point to parents. And I don't think that's fair as well, um, because they probably haven't learned, they were never taught. And so it's unfair to expect parents to make up for a whole education gap in our our system, um, when they're not equipped either. And so uh, our parents do the best that they can, our families do the best that they can. And then it's up to us when we, when we can to to take that responsibility on and, and learn what we can and make changes if we don't like our own situations. Yeah. And one of my podcast guests, her name is Anissa Kurji, and she has a podcast called, um, oh, man, I can't think of what it's called, but we, we did a, we did, um, our podcast title was about teachable moments for kids. Mm-hmm. And she's doing a cool job of basically documenting how she's teaching her kids, which I think they're four and seven, her son's about money and, you know, trying to make sure that she's having purposeful conversations with them, but not, she's not talking to them about 401ks and IRAs, right? She's talking to them about, you know, saving and and spending and donating, right? And wants versus needs and very basic things like that. But, you know, I, I, it's, it's going to have a good impact on her kids and her listeners if, um, you know, if they really are basically forming their money mindset when they're that young. Absolutely. And I think that at every single age, um, for anybody who's listening, who does have kids, there are teachable moments every single age. Um, You just need to um, be comfortable enough um, to have them. And sometimes that's the hard part. And it's okay to say sometimes, you know, if they ask you a question, you know, I don't know that let's find out together. Because now we can ask Google pretty much anything and we can get the answer at our fingertips, which uh, when I was growing up, that wasn't an option for my family. Right. Me neither. (laughs) Uh, So So in order to make change to your money mindset, um, I know you mentioned practicing gratitude, having honest conversations about money, setting your own goals. What else can people do? Uh, it's really just changing the routine. So if you want to get into a routine where you're going to start saving money, make it easy for yourself. Um, if you get paid with a regular paycheck, start taking the money off the top, have it automatically transferred um, and start small. Start with something you can reasonably do that you won't need to give up within a couple weeks um, or make changes because you've made the situation um, harder on yourself from kind of a living standpoint. So 
start with one thing, put it into practice, make it a regular routine, then add something else. Usually what happens is people get really excited. They're going to take control of their whole financial situation and they try to start everything at once. And then it all kind of falls apart because you you might've been aggressive or optimistic about how much you could save. And then all of a sudden the money's coming back out of the savings account. And so pick the most important thing to you. Um, Maybe it's when COVID is over, I'm going to go on a really great vacation and I don't want to be having to pay for that when I come back. So I'm going to save X amount every week. So pick something tangible. Um, Even at the time that this is going to air, we've still got weeks until Christmas. I'd like to be able to give my family something small. It's been a hard year, but I'm going to put away a little bit of money every week so I can get those gifts. So think of something that's important to you. Don't just latch on to something other people are dreaming of. Pick something important to you that's meaningful. Start with that one and then give it three to six months. Add something else on. Yeah, great point. I think talking about fitness, right? If you're eating 2,400 calories a day, don't don't go down to 1,200, right? The same thing <laughs> is true with your finances, right? Like maybe you heard about the fire movement. You're like, great. I want to save 50% of my income. If you've been spending a hundred percent of it, that's just not a sustainable thing to do. Right. Maybe. Yeah. Especially when people are are probably spending 125%. Yeah. Yeah. At least a hundred percent. Yeah. Is there anything else that we can do to change our mindsets or should we move into talking a little bit about um, decision-making? Um, decision-making. So some kind of basic rule of thumb I have is every time you go to spend money, think about the goals that you have. And this is predicated on you taking the time to set the goals that are important for you and where you actually um, want your money to go and what are the things you want to happen in your life. So some of those are going to be kind of age determined and, and not necessarily that they're stereotypical, but if it is that you do want to travel, maybe you want to go back to school. Maybe you want to buy your own home. Maybe it's a car, whatever it's going to be. Um, But set those goals. And then every time you're going to be making decisions about spending money, ask yourself, is this bringing me closer to or farther away from the goals that I have? And that's a good way to kind of take the heat out of the moment. You might be excited. You might just want instant gratification. But yeah, that's right. I really do want to go and get my master's or I I really do want to stop taking public transit. I wanted to get that car um, or I want to move out on my own, whatever it's going to be. So yeah, I don't need to eat out again tonight. I'm going to going to make something at home. I'm going to go to the grocery store and, and, and spend $5 instead of $30, whatever it is. So ask yourself that question. And it's a really good way to ground you. It also helps center you back on your mindset and, and what's more important. Um, kind of ties into that concept, which you, you may have heard about, about your current self versus your future self. And um, when you're just thinking about saving randomly for these long off goals, especially if you're thinking about um, something that's 5, 10, 20 years away um, or longer, that's hard to imagine. So bringing that future you back in touch with the decision of today helps make it totally real versus it's just this bank account that's getting the money. No, you're actually sacrificing a little bit today so that your future you can get exactly what you want. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's in the book, I Will Teach You To Be Rich where he talks about a conscious, I think he calls it a conscious spending plan. And I'm sure this isn't a novel idea, right? But it's like mm-hmm. what you were talking about, Tracy, how you like concerts, right? Mm-hmm. I like getting bottles of wine at dinner, right? So um, if you have decided that is something I'm going to spend money on, but then something else comes up, um, for me, maybe it's a concert. For you, maybe it's a bottle of wine, right? 
And then you start to line that decision up with your goals and you think, nope, that really doesn't get me closer to to my goals at all. And that was something that my husband and I recently experienced when we were looking at this home that we ended up moving into. We decided that we wanted to do the quote unquote house hack <laughs> um, you know, the bigger pockets term, right? Buy something where there's an ability to rent out part of your property to pay all or port- part of your mortgage. And we ended up looking at a house. It was really beautiful. It was on the water. And we thought we could rent out the quote unquote Florida basement of it, mm-hmm. which is just the part that's in the flood zone. And um, you can't because it's in a flood zone anymore. Like you used to be able to do that. You can't do that anymore. So you know, we were like, oh, we had we had really fallen. It was really beautiful. I mean, that was the kind of place where I was like, wow, I can't believe I could afford this. Um, but when we lined it up against our goals and our why, right, we want to retire early. And the me- one way to kind of jumpstart that is to do this house hack and get some income from our primary residence and pay that off over time and then have more income. You know, it's just once we were able to you know, put that decision through our decision filters and our goals, it made it a lot easier decision to make, frankly. For sure. And it's just keeping in, in touch with the decisions are all still for you. It's just, it is the the need you have in the moment more important than your longer term um, desire. And so when you reframe it, that it's still all about you, um, that makes it a little bit easier because you're highly connected to it, um, which I think can get lost if it's just kind of this random bank account and you're putting money there and you can't have fun today. If that's kind of the view you're coming at it, um, it can be hard to, to frame it that way. Right. And then I could see from their momentum building, right. Once you get accustomed to saving whatever, saving either for something or saving a certain percentage of your income or whatever that is. And then you start to see that grow um, I think that can really help it make a lot, you know, make it easier for you too, because you can see the fruits of your labors. At, at first, I think it's probably kind of disheartening because it just seems like, man, I've been saving and saving and I just have X amount of dollars. For sure. And if you can have a couple of goals that you're working towards so that some might be more in the short term, so you can actually get that gratification. Um, so whether it is saving for a vacation, maybe for 2021, something like that. So there's something relatively close that you can see you're getting closer to in addition to those medium to long-term things. Um, The other thing that's super important is to keep your eye on your money. Uh, I highly encourage people to have regular money meetings um, to set that time in their calendar, whether personally or in their businesses. And unless you've got your eyes on the details, it's easy to tell yourself stories about what the money situation is. And it can be to the dramatic, like, oh, it's so bad. I don't even want to look at it. When in in fact, it's usually not as bad as you can imagine. Like if you never open your credit card statements and look at it. Um, But when you can see that momentum, like you just talked about, Lauren, um, it's really addictive in a positive way. You want to keep that feeling going and you know that you can do it and it's it, you're able to give yourself those pats on the back. So I highly encourage everyone to have regular money meetings with themselves. And um, to that end, I do have a gift for your audience. Um, they can head over to bizmoneycoach.ca and download a money meeting agenda. So you can sit down and go through that um, by yourself. If you have a partner, if you have a business, it will all work. And the first couple meetings might be just checking out the agenda and trying to make sense of it. Uh, but then you have somewhere to go from there, uh, which I think makes it a little bit easier because sometimes you just don't know where to start when you're trying to take that first step on the journey. Yeah. Thank you for that. And how often should we have these meetings? Is it monthly, quarterly? Uh, I think certainly minimum monthly is good. Um, 
you may have a bigger one on a quarterly basis. If you've got a business or you're starting some kind of side hustle, um, probably more frequently than monthly, just to keep your eyes on everything because expenses can kind of get out of control quickly if you're not keeping your eye on it. And it um, works both for the the positive in building up the momentum because you can see where you're going because when you're actually tracking your progress, it's really fun. And then also um, from letting things kind of get away from you. It's easy to correct things after a couple weeks than if a month goes by or two months goes by. Right. And I like that you said to look at the details just because you spent $4,000 last month and you spent $4,000 this month, that doesn't mean you spent them on the same things. Exactly. If you were um, one month, you could have been eating out a lot. Uh, whereas the other month, um, maybe you're, you had a, a leak in your roof of your home and you had to get an emergency repair, like it could be completely different. So um, you want to be able to take a look at that. So um, listeners can head over to bizmoneycoach.ca and you can grab that. Okay, yep, I'll put that in the notes as well. So Tracy, is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? I think it's important to be kind to yourself as you're on your uh, personal financial fitness journey, whether it's individually or you're in your business and you need to cut yourself some slack. You're starting wherever you are, build on the, the momentum that you have of starting. And if you make some missteps, then don't beat yourself up too much. Um, get back on track. Tomorrow's a new day. And if you're, if you keep taking this forward, imperfect, consistent action, you're going to move along on this spectrum, um, of becoming more financially fit. So be kind to yourself. And, um, as we were talking about, um, be kind to others and, uh, don't be judgmental about other people's journeys either. Oh, that's so well said. I love it. Well, managing money is a huge part of adulting. So understanding your own money mindset and how you are making decisions in regards to your money is certainly a huge part of that. Tracy, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, Other than the bizmoneycoach.ca, do you want to tell everyone how they can get in touch with you? Absolutely. So um, best place to reach out. I'd love to hear comments or questions from anybody who's listening is on LinkedIn. So Tracy has an E and Bizit has two S's, two T's. And um, when you do head over to bizmoneycoach.ca, you'll be um, directed to my website. So you'll be able to find um, all other information there. Perfect. I'll put that in the show notes. And everyone, you can follow me on Twitter at Adulting is Easy. I'm also on Facebook at the same name. You can email me at realadultingiseasy at gmail.com. You can show support at patreon.com slash adultingiseasy. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. Hopefully, we've made adulting a little easier for you.